Good morning. I am so excited to be here again at Journey uh, Church of the Nazarene. I'm grateful for Pastor Jonathan inviting me, giving me a chance to speak outside of my church. I will say this is my first time speaking outside of my church, so I'm very grateful uh, for the opportunity. I know Pastor Jeremy uh, just read uh, the scripture uh, for you, but if you would, let's please stand for the reading of God's word. I'm going to read it again. And again, we're in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1, and then we'll skip down to verses 41 through 46. And the word of God says, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go, eat, drink, for there is a sound of heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink. But Elijah climbed on top of, top of caramel, caramel, sorry, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. 43, go and look toward the sea. He took his servant and he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops. Meanwhile, the sky grew black. With clouds, the wind rose, the heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to, Ze to Zezreel. The power of the Lord came, to, came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Amen. You may be seated. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you, Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, for your presence, God. We thank you just for being here uh, in this service today, Dear Heavenly Father. You said where two or more are gathered in your name, you'll be there also. God, I just pray that you put me back and use me as you please, Lord. Let the words out of my mouth and meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So I want to give you a little background with our text this morning. Uh, for those of you who may not know the story of Elijah, Elijah is a prophet of God who was displeased with the people of Israel because they worshiped pagan and idol gods. Uh, however, during the time of King Ahab and the people of Israel, they served the pagan god Baal, which was known as the god of rain, and they worshiped him. So the prophet Elijah prophesied to the people a word to the king, for a drought was about to come over the land, and it didn't rain for the next three and a half years. So now that brings us to the place where we are in our scripture today where Elijah didn't know when the drought would end. So tell someone sitting next to you, just wait. Uh, we can all remember our teenage years. Uh, I know some of you probably can remember it well because I remember my teenage years because those were the years I couldn't, I couldn't wait for anything. I mean, when I was a junior in high school, I couldn't wait to drive and you know be around my friends and have my own car. Uh, just like a typical teenager, 
I wanted the coolest or what I call the flyest car they had around, okay? So I could ride around with my friends. Uh, I remember that when that day finally came and I was just so excited that I got the chance to get a new car, right? I'm a teenager. Uh, but there was a particular car that I really wanted. And I was hoping that I would get that car. I mean, this car was supposed to give me uh, everything. I mean, really, it was everything I wanted. Uh, and I remember when the day came, I finally got that chance, okay? So, I mean, it was like this car had my name written all over it. And I was just looking forward to that. So I remember like it was yesterday, actually, uh, because the day came, I was happy, but I was also disappointed at the same time. See, the particular car that I wanted was an olive green Honda Accord with a pinstripe on it with the spoiler on the back. Um, but instead that day, I ended up getting a lime green, can you picture that in your head? Use your imagination. A lime green Geo Metro. Um, so I, I was excited, but I, I wasn't excited. But I didn't understand at the time because all I could think of was that I was at Poteet High School. I was a great student in MISD. I made good grades. I was an honor student. So why couldn't I get that car? I just didn't understand it. Right? So after all, the Honda was promised to me, but my mom said, not now. So I had to wait until the right time to receive what she had promised me. At that time, I knew my mom wanted me to have the Honda Accord um, that, she, that she had promised, but I knew but she, if she had given it to me too soon, I wouldn't appreciate it. Or I wouldn't have been able to handle the responsibility of having that car. So again, I had to wait. See, it's the same with God. Sometimes there are certain seasons in our life that God requires us to wait until the right time to receive all that he has promised for us in our lives because he knows what's best for us even when we don't understand ourselves. So I want to speak to you this morning from the subject, God is still working in your waiting season. And if I could give this a subtopic, I would say God is in control. So during your waiting our waiting season, you must first know that God has a plan and he's working everything out on your behalf. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1, it says that after a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. So one could assume that Elijah had been waiting for a while to hear from the Lord. When the Lord spoke to Elijah, Elijah went to Ahab in obedience to do what God entrusted him to do. Uh, remember that God had put a great drought on the land of Israel and, and Elijah was waiting for God to end the drought because it was affecting his people. But in the midst of waiting, Elijah was trusting for God's plan at hand. There may be times when we don't quite understand our circumstances uh, that are occurring all around us. And sometimes we don't even understand why our prayers aren't being answered right away. But it doesn't mean that God has stopped working our situation out 
or that issue or the issues that we may face in our lives or that God doesn't care. But what it simply means is that God is developing our character and a plan for each and every one of our circumstances. Jeremiah 29, 11 reads, it tells us that, for God knows the plans he has for us. He has a plan to prosper us, okay? And he has a plan not to harm us, but a plan to give us hope and a future, amen? So when we trust God's plan for our lives, we trust his divine providence, that he will provide everything we stand in need of. Trusting his plan requires us to exercise our faith, even when we can't hear him, even if he's not working the way we want him to work. But we have to trust and know that God said he would never leave us nor forsake us. Amen. We have to know that God is still in control. Tell someone sitting next to you, have faith. When we trust that God is in control of our situation and he hears our request, whether, whether it's financial problems, uh, whether it's, we have health issues, whether we have family concerns, we can trust the next move that God is going to make in our lives. See, the prophet Elijah knew that the king Ahab did not like him. And in fact, the king was going to allow his wife, Queen Jezebel, to kill the prophet of the Lord. But Elijah summoned God's, I'm sorry, Elijah summoned King Ahab's servant Obadiah to arrange a meeting for him to speak to King Ahab to challenge him and his pagan gods. Even though Elijah was not in danger of being killed, he even though he was in danger of being killed, he still trusted God. Uh, God wants us to trust him and he wants us to know that everything we need is working out for our good. Second, in our waiting season, season, we must continue to pray until something happens. God says, pray without ceasing. We know uh, that God hears our prayers because in 1 John 5, 14, it says that, and this is a confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. God hears every plea. He hears every request that we make to him. Matthew 21, 22 says that whatever we ask in prayer, you will receive it in faith. Therefore, if we believe, we shall receive. Amen? Amen. So we go on, we go on to 1 Kings chapter 18, 41 through 46. It tells us that Elijah climbed up to the top of Mount Carmel to pray. The Bible says that he prayed bent down with his knees, with his face between his knees. Now, if I could use my spiritual imagination, I could imagine Elijah being desperate for God to move on his behalf. I can see him on Mount Carmel bending down with his face in his knees, praying to God in total humility, asking God to bring the rain, 
asking God to show up on his behalf. See, sometimes God wants us to get to the place where we're desperate for him. Sometimes it means that we need to go to the mountaintop, that we need to get down on our knees and and prostrate ourselves unto God with our face in between our knees and say, God, I am desperate from you. I need to hear a word from you. God says, pray without ceasing. The scripture says that Elijah prayed seven times. Now, isn't that funny? We know what it means in the Bible. Seven is completion. Amen. The number seven. See, the significance of seven is also in perfection to Christ. See, Elijah prayed until he got a response from God. He didn't give up on God. He didn't lose hope in God because he, it, because he knew that God kept his promises. Notice in the seventh prayer, Elijah's, servants, Elijah's servant, Obadiah, noticed, I'm sorry, Elijah's servant noticed a small cloud forming in the sky. The point to notice is that God sent a small sign before the rain actually came. Oftentimes when we pray to God, we look for big signs. We want this big shebang to happen or something that we can visually see. But see, what we fail to realize is that our focus is not on God some of the time. It's not on God. And we fail to realize is that many a times God sends small signs. But we're too busy looking for the big signs and saying that our problems are not being worked out, but God is still working our problems out. And we have to look for the small signs, just like the small cloud in the sky. See, many a times we miss that God is changing our situation around. The problem, we, the problem is that we often want something more instead of being content with the small things that God is already doing in our lives. Tell someone next to you, don't miss the small stuff. We must know that God is still at work in our situation, just like God could have put a purposeful drought in our lives today. We think about COVID-19, inflation. We think about what happened in Turkey. We think about what's going on all around, our wor- all around the nation, our world. But we know that these are things that are happening for God to bring us closer to him. He's trying to get our attention focused on him. During these times, God wants us to pray and keep our eyes on him, but we are holding on to the things we can see versus the things we can't see. God can't operate in our lack of faith, right? Remember that faith without works is dead. Again, we must trust in God's promises, praise and praise God in our waiting season and understand that God, again, is still in control of our lives. Thirdly, when we are, t- when we are in our waiting season, we must get in the right position to hear God's voice. 
It goes on further in 1 Kings chapter 19, 11 through 13. God instructed Elijah to stand on the mountaintop after God had brought the heavy rain. Um, and Elijah was on the run, okay? Because Queen Jezebel had threatened to kill him. The story went on to say that Elijah waited for God to pass by, and again, this is time Elijah was in a cave, to pass by and to hear him, but he thought the Lord would speak through the wind. That was the first sign. He thought the Lord would speak through the wind. And then he thought, oh, he's going to speak through the earthquake. And then a fire. Elijah was wanting something big. We're missing it. Elijah was wanting something big to have. He wanted a big boom from God. God, show me a sign that everything is going to be okay. And then the third time, Elijah heard a gentle whisper from God. We oftentimes, we expect God to speak in the middle of our disastrous experiences. We may expect God to speak to us one way, but oftentimes we can't hear because of all the distractions that are going on all around us in our lives. God wants us to be still and go into our secret place of prayer to position ourselves in the right position in a place to hear his voice. See, some of us are often worried about the problems we face and the situations we're currently in and that we can't hear from God because our focus is not there. Our focus is on our problem. But putting ourselves in the right position, it requires us to spend time in God's word. It, It requires us to spend time praying with God and developing a personal relationship with Christ, separating ourselves from anything or anyone that is interfering with our relationship with God. Church, God wants, us to, wants to be the head of our lives, and when we know who he is, we need to learn to be still and wait on Christ. And then you will be able to hear his voice more clearly. Hebrews 11 and 6 tells us that he is a rewarder for those who diligently seek him. I don't know if any of you guys remember uh, Priscilla Shire. She is probably, uh, I think she spoke at even one of the Nazarene uh, conferences years ago, uh, women's conference years ago. Uh, She's a speaker. She's an evangelist. But I love when she gave reverence to who God was. And we have to know that who he is. <clears throat> we have to stand on his promises and know who he is. Just like Elijah prayed seven times for God to bring the rain and to save him from Queen Jezebel because, of, because he destroyed their pagan gods. God wants us to know who he is in our lives. So if we think about the Bible in Genesis, we know that he is the breath of life. In Exodus, 
he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is our high priest. In Numbers, he is the fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he is Israel's God. In Joshua, he is salvation's choice. In Judges, he is Israel's guard. In Ruth, he is our kingsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he's our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he is sovereign. And in Israel, he is the true and faithful scribe. In, ne in Nehemiah, he is the rebuilder of walls and lives. In Esther, he is our courage. In Job, he is our timeless redeemer. In Psalms, he's our morning song. In Proverbs, he's our wisdom. And in Ecclesiastics, he's a time and the season. In the Song of Solomon, he's a lover's dream. And in, in, in Isaiah, he's a prince of peace. In Jeremiah, I'm sorry, in Isaiah, he's a prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he is the weeping prophet. In Lamentations, he is a cry for Israel. In Ezekiel, he is the call from sin. In Daniel, he is a stranger in the fire. In Hosea, he is a forever faithful. In Joel, he is the spirit's power. In Amos, he is the strong arms that carry. In Obadiah, he is the Lord, our savior. Savior. In Jonah, he's a great missionary. In Micah, he's a promise of peace. In Nathan, in Nahum, he, he's our strength and shield. In Habakkuk, he brings wisdom. In Zephaniah, he brings revival. And in Haggai, he restores what was lost. In Zechariah, he is our fountain. And in Malachi, he is a son of the righteous. He is son of the righteousness rising with healing in his wings. And that is just who God is in the Old Testament. You wait 400 years and you flip a couple of pages, and you'll see that in the back, book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he is not just God, but he's our Messiah. In the spirit-filled book of Acts, he, he's raining fire from heaven. In Romans, he's the grace of God. In First and Second Corinthians, he's the power of love. In Galatians, he's freedom from the from the course from the, I'm sorry from the curse of sin. In Ephesians, he's our glorious treasure. In Philippians, he's our servant's heart. In Colossians, he's our God and the Trinity. In Thessalonians, he's our calling king. In Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, he, he's our mediator and faithful pastor. In Hebrews, he's the everlasting courage. In James, he's the one who heals the sick. In Peter, he's our faithful shepherd. In John and Jude, he's the lover coming for his bride. And finally, in the book of Revelations, he is and always will be the first, the beginning, and the end. That is who our God is in your waiting season. Christ is worth waiting for. That's right. That's right. He's working everything out for your good. Right. Trust God's plan for your life. Pray until something happens. 
and praise God for what he's about to do and get in the right position to hear his voice. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is still working in your waiting season. May God bless you. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. We thank you for your presence. We know that you are here, God. Help us to trust you more, God, especially during this time of Lent, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, where we're surrendering all to you, God. Lord, we just ask that you just begin to work and transform our lives, Lord. Help us to know that you've never left us and you'll never leave us nor forsake us, Lord, but you've always been there and you're still working in our hearts. Lord, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for sanctification, entire sanctification in you, Lord. We thank you for the indwelling of your Holy Spirit that draws us near to you each and every day, God. Lord, we just ask, Lord, that you just continue to keep our mind focused on you. In this season, we know that you're returning. We know that you're returning soon. You've shown us the signs, God. So, Lord, help us to be ready, Lord. Help us to wait on you. And be faithful until the day you return. God, we love you. We praise you. And we'll forever give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.